This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. It's good to be here today to uh, finish this series on the sacraments. It's been good to, uh, to go deeper, to learn, to experience more about healing, anointing, uh, baptism, reconciliation, and today we'll explore more about uh, Holy Communion the gift that it is, and we'll explore it in a a fresh way. Let's begin by reducing some confusion about Holy Communion, and that begins with its name. So work with me here as I I take a little poll. Um, How many of you have heard the words, the religious words, the Eucharist? Yep. Lord's Supper? Okay. The Great Thanksgiving? Not so much. How about the Divine Liturgy? A few. All right. Thank you. All the same or all different names for the same sacrament, which is Holy Communion. And a sacrament, as a reminder, is an outward and visible sign of an inward grace. In other words, what God is doing on the inside, kind of what we sung about there, a movement of God on the inside. Uh, And that's what a sacrament is, an outward sign, visible, inward grace. Well, one of the uh, the exciting things, Beautiful, often beautiful, and sometimes anxiety-producing aspects of life or parts of life are first-time experiences. So indulge me one more time, one more pull. This is the last one. Um, How many of you remember when you got your driver's license? Yeah, okay. How about the first time you drove a car? Not fair to everybody in here. Okay. (laughs) Or tractor? Is Pastor Jason here? We've got to include him. I don't see him, but you get it. Yeah, okay. Tra- okay, well, it shouldn't just... Tractor? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad God included that. I'm a city kid, so... Uh, how about first date? Not including everybody again, but a lot. Okay. Good. First cardinal game. <laughs> Praise Jesus. All right, good. Uh, I, uh, it's it's kind of known as an idol around here, forgive me, uh, with Pastor Bob, cardinals, etc. Uh, we we kind of kind of like them. Now let's uh, get serious for a moment. Um, Think about your first experience with Holy Communion. The first time you received, not really took, communion. Who were you with? Where were you? Why did you receive it? What were you thinking? What was going through your mind? Well, these can be hard questions to answer, especially if you're raised in the church. You're an insider, so to speak, because you've probably been receiving communion nearly all of your life. And if you've been raised in the church, as, and again, as an insider, um, you probably know the bigger story of communion, which is that Christ began what we call Holy Communion on a Thursday evening in an upper room in Jerusalem about 2,000 years ago on the night before he was to be crucified. But Holy Communion, though, it was really beginning to be shaped long before that. Long before that, it was foreshadowed in the Old Testament. And then Christ himself would talk about him being the bread of life in his ministry earlier in his ministry, the bread of life. Jesus Christ, Son of God, bread of, bread of life, is always self-giving and is always wanting to be in communion with us in community. 
Well, my first experience with communion began in a big Lutheran church in St. Louis. There you go, Atonement Lutheran, Florissant Road, North County. It was a high church experience. In other words, you'll see uh, lots of robes and uh, uh, lots of candles, and we call that high church. We, we do that here at 820. That was my first experience, and I was invited to that experience into church by Roxanne, who would become my wife and her family. Because I didn't uh, go to church, although we believed in God, but we just didn't go to church. And so I remember that first experience was, uh, was interesting. I, uh, I was confused. There were, uh, there were words like the Eucharist in the bulletin, okay, and, uh, but that was okay. And it was good and it was okay because I was with people that I trusted. I trusted Roxanne to lead me through communion, and I had a really strong sense that this was a good and right thing to do. I didn't really know God, but I believed in God. I believed God was for me. I didn't believe God was against me. <laughs> I believe I had some stuff to kind of get straight with God. I knew that I needed forgiveness, and I heard them talking about forgiveness and communion. I needed forgiveness for things that I'd said and done, also for things that I should have said and should have done. For example, when people were being bullied and I didn't do anything about it, or when I was, I have to say, you know, it was a form of bullying when I was in high school, the way I treated some people in hindsight. Not good. Not good. And so I needed, I needed forgiveness. I also knew that some really big decisions were coming up in my life. Again, as in my late teens, I knew the decisions like college, career, marriage. Thought I had that one settled, and, and it became that way, but uh, I was hoping for that. Um, but, but I knew some big stuff was coming up in my life, and I knew I needed more than I had. I knew that I needed something bigger than myself, and for me, I thought that was God. We sang about it. I was hoping it was God. And so I was open to communion and to what God had to offer. And I was really interested in this person that I didn't really know, but intrigued me, and its sense was it was right and good, and that was Jesus Christ. So I was a little anxious as I went through communion the first time. It's a first-time experience. But again, it was good, and it was right. And in hindsight, when I've reflected on this, it really was a step of faith. It was a tangible step of faith receiving communion. I was trusting God with my life, and I was entering into a more fuller relationship with Christ. Didn't really know what that meant, but God was seeking me, and I knew that that was good. Okay, and now we're going to uh, uh, transition a little. We're going to have our scripture for today that comes from the Gospel of Matthew, 26th chapter, verses 26 through 29. Many of you have heard these words before. You can follow them on the screen or you can follow along on the front of your pay, pay, pray, study, grow. Not pay, study, grow. Okay. Uh, here we go. Here's the scripture for today. While they were eating, Jesus and they as the disciples, Jesus and the twelve, Jesus took the bread at the table. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup at the table, and when he had given thanks, that's to God, he gave it to them, the disciples, saying, Drink from this, all of you. 
This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant. A new covenant. Yours, I don't think the pray, study, grow actually says new, but in the scripture it does. My blood which is poured out for many for their forgiveness of sins. So again, this is the, the night before Jesus is crucified. He's been in ministry for about three years. Scholars think that he was about 33 when he was crucified, began his ministry at about 30. And he instituted this meal uh, with his disciples. And he knew that uh, they may not have really known what was happening. But he knew he was about to be arrested too. And he allowed himself to be arrested. And then again he would be crucified the next day. It was interesting that, uh, that Jesus would take this ordinary meal. Bread, wine. Bread, wine, ordinary. Jesus makes it sacred. Makes it holy. Holy means set apart. Creates this meal for us to enter into a more full life with Christ. It creates the foundation, the very foundation for new life. It also creates a new covenant that we heard about. And remember this, that God is always self-giving, giving of himself. And God is always revealing and doing something new, both worldwide and in our own very lives as we allow God to do it. So see what is happening here in this meal more completely. The first thing Jesus does with his disciples is he takes the bread and he gives thanks to God. Son of God, thanks to God. As followers of Jesus Christ, made in the image of God and following Jesus Christ, we are to be grateful people. Jesus demonstrates this himself. First thing, give thanks to God. Breaks the bread. Tells his followers, this is my body. Take it and eat it. This is my body. Take it and eat it. Because his, he knows his body's about to be broken on the cross for them. And this is the sacrifice that he is making. And then he takes the cup. And he holds it up and he tells them, drink from this, all of you. First, I almost forgot it, he thanked God again. <laughs> he thanks God twice. Jesus is grateful in all things. It's hard for us to do, but know that Jesus Christ is grateful to the Father. And that's the disposition that we should live from. As human beings, it can be challenging, but we're to be grateful people. But he takes this cup then and he says, drink from it. This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant. The new covenant meaning the old covenant is gone. The old covenant was the sacrifice of animals to get a clean slate that Jason, Pastor Jason preached about last week. The new covenant, this is my blood, takes care of it. Your, your sins are forgiven because I'm about to be crucified on the cross. My blood is given for you. Jesus does the work, the perfect gift, the atonement. The church was named for the atonement. Jesus makes us right with God again because of what he does, the perfect sacrifice. And again, he says, drink from this. You are forgiven. Now, for many of us, we, we know this. I think it's a good reminder, especially about the new covenant. And this is the good news, and it's a paradox because, if you, but if you're outside the church, people talk about good news. It's like, I guess that's good news, but did God have to die? Well, the answer is yes, and that can be kind of hard to understand, but we're going to talk more about that. So it's paradoxically good news. 
And, and then think about it again from if you were there, even as a disciple, and Jesus said this, it's a little hard to understand. Really, what's he's a, what, what do you really mean by that? I think it's, it's intellectually honest to say, I was probably a little confused when Jesus said that because you didn't really know all that was going to happen in the hours and in the, in the day that's, that's coming. And then in three days, Jesus would be resurrected. So I, I say this to give us permission to be a little confused sometimes. <laughs> it's okay. Now I want to change gears a little too. Um, same, same theme. But several of us, well, actually a group of us, went to the Holy Land a couple years ago. And we had a great time. And we, we were in the context around the Sea of Galilee where Jesus lived and, and, uh, and did most of his ministry around this area, around the Sea of Galilee. It's a beautiful place. Um, and we thought deeply at night. Um, we thought deeply because, I mean, when you're there and you're walking in the footsteps of Jesus, you're thinking deeply about his words. And when I was thinking a lot about how Jesus had began to talk about himself in radical ways. His teaching was, was so radical and so new and so challenging. A lot of times, I mean, people, I think they kind of got it, but what they mostly got and they liked was the miracles. And so they really started following Jesus. And I thought about the words in uh, Galilee and Capernaum. We were in the town Capernaum. And that's actually the folks in the front, if you know that, Gail and Carrie. But anyhow, that's the synagogue where Jesus taught these words I'm about to read you in a minute. Jesus taught by the Sea of Galilee in the synagogue. And so he's teaching, and right before he does that, though, as I see, he's popular. John 6, he's popular. He feeds the 5,000. Crowds are following him. Popular miracle feeds them. People love that. The next thing he does just with his disciples, another miracle, he walks on water. Disciples love that. That's miraculous. And God reveals his power and glory. He walks on water. Then Jesus is back with the crowds and he says, believe in me, I'm the bread of life. And the crowd says, really? And they, they start to disbelieve. And they say, well, they begin to grumble and complain. And then Jesus tells them to stop complaining. That, I had a message in that one. It's kind of like Jesus does tell us to stop grumbling and complaining. He told the crowd. And then Jesus says to them these very words that I'm going to read to you. And they're on the front of your Pray, Study, Grow as well and on the screens. Hear these words to Jesus. This is a lot of followers, hundreds, not just the 12. Jesus says to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me, the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. He's talking about himself. Your ancestors, Old Testament, ate manna. And died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this, Jesus said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. 
Well, I thought about these words when Jesus spoke them to his disciples, and just a couple, a couple of uh, verses later, the folks say, this is too hard. I'm leaving. And most of the disciples left Jesus. They said, this teaching is too hard. They can't believe it. They're confused. And they leave him. And Jesus says to the other disciples, are you going to leave too? And they say, no, Lord, where else will we go? But Jesus went from highly popular to just a few folks following at this point. They walked away. They don't rightly perceive, as scholars would say. What they don't understand is that Jesus is not asking them to eat real flesh and blood. He is telling them that they will eat spirit-filled flesh and blood that is instituted and constituted in this holy meal, the communion that's coming from what happens in the upper room. But they don't get this. And Jesus, in fact, knows that many of them won't understand it. And that's, that's kind of a mystery to us. How does that work? Well, just, just hear the words and enter into the story. But Jesus knows that that's going to happen. And so this, this sacrament is created for us, and yet Jesus tells us about it as it's coming. The disciples there as he's teaching them. But again, most walk away. And so my question for you, and really for me, is if you were on the sea with Jesus that day, would you grasp what he is saying? Would you be confused? If you were on the other side of faith, would you believe in what he's saying? I think it's a good question. And yet, this is, I think, the better question. Isn't it the person who is on the other side of faith, who hasn't come to faith yet, isn't that who Jesus is interested in, is seeking? The person who doesn't have a relationship and doesn't really know him. Well, we know that's what Jesus is wanting. And that's where we come in. That's the beauty. Jesus uses the Spirit to lead us, to lead others, to invite them to this table. In our everyday lives, we have the opportunity to talk about Jesus, explain stuff like communion to people maybe, it's like, what's that about? Well, we can invite people to the table. But to be able to do that, we have to understand communion a bit ourselves. And so let's talk about that. There are, in the New Testament, there are five and more, but at least five primary meetings that are, that are invested in Holy Communion. I'm going to go through four quickly. And then we're going to talk about the fifth one more, because that's the meat, per se, today. So here they are. First of all, when we receive this meal, it's an act of thanksgiving. We are thankful to God for his goodness, unconditional love. Communion is of the church. We gather together. It's more than a personal event. We bond and share in this holy meal together. We do remember what Christ has done, but it, more than that, more than a remembering, it is a representation of what God is doing right now. Because this meal is alive and we'll talk about that. It is a type of sacrifice. It's through the sacrifice of the perfect one who atones for our sins that we have been made available to, to the God's love, made right with God again and relationship. And we can receive divine grace because of what Jesus Christ has done. And then take this away. It is a, this meal is a vehicle it's a pathway, or means, a means of grace. In other words, in this meal, in this very tangible act, we have access to God's forgiveness, mercy, love, and power. That's the story 
that people want to hear and want to know. That they have this God that can go with them through life, who has power, who can do life with us. This is the story that we have to tell as followers of Jesus Christ. And this holy meal, know this, this holy meal, we are given spiritual nourishment, healing, transformation, and eternal life. Christ told his disciples that by the seashore. And we're strengthened through this meal. We have a mission. And in this meal, each time we take it, we're strengthened for the journey and the mission that Christ has for us. We invite others to come and see, to taste of this life. This holy meal, think of it as spiritual nourishment and food for us. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, back in the 1700s, said this. This is food for our souls. This gives strength for the journey of life to perform our duty, which God has given us a great mission, and leads us on to perfection. That's often misunderstood. He means by perfection, perfecting ourselves, becoming complete in love of God and neighbor. Through this holy meal, we can do that. Each time we come to this meal, we are made, as we open ourselves to God, we are made more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. So know this, believe this to your core, to my core. We believe that Jesus Christ, the very reflection of God's glory, and the exact imprint of God's very being is present in this meal. Jesus is spiritually present with us when we take, receive, Holy Communion. It's more than remembering. Memories are good, but it's more than remembering what happened on that evening 2,000 years ago in the upper room. And so today, the, the question for myself, and I think for all of us, is really where are we in our relationship with Jesus Christ? Where are we? Where, where are we when we come into this meal? Well, if, if we're confused, that's okay. You won't be the first one. And remember that God, the first person, remember that God is mystery too. God is God. And we're, we're God's creatures. But God receives us at this table. He meets us where we're at. God is mystery. Enter into this mystery. What God does want from us and seeks from us is several things. is trust and faith, belief, and to respond to God's love and grace. Again, each time we come to this meal, we are touched by God's grace. And know this, the invitation to this table is open to everyone. Everyone that comes to this table with the disposition, with these feelings, attitudes, your being, would be with desire and expectation that you would desire God and expect God to show up. We don't coerce, coerce and manipulate God to be in this meal. God promised to be in this meal. God shows up. We approach this table with awe and humility, celebration and gratitude for who God is, and God would do this for us. So as we come to this table in just a few minutes, know that God is for us. Know that God has life that he wants for us. He wants to fill us with life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And while memories are good, and if you, if you can't remember what happened during your first communion, not much, it's okay. 
Because as we sung earlier, and it is so good to have Adam back and the trio today who blessed us, as they were singing, um, this is the day. Remember this meal when you come to this table today that God is with you and for you and leads you into the new life that God has for you. Amen.